KBLA Talk 1580, about to talk all things Hollywood. And I'm so pleased to be joined by the founder of the Thomas, the Thomas Talent Agency. It's a Los Angeles black woman-owned firm representing actors in film and television. Ms. Thomas is now retired, but she represented big name talent along with character and commercial actors for 20 years. Venus Thomas, welcome. Thank you. A full disclosure, Venus was my agent for many years and did an amazing <laughs> job, I must say. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a blessing because I also got a friend out of the deal. Uh, Venus Thomas is one of my favorite people in the world, so it's a joy to have you on this morning. Oh, that's so sweet. I appreciate that. Ms. Thomas, were you surprised? that the actors ratified the deal, the SAG after contract that passed on yes. yesterday. I'm very surprised because I'm uh, reading that there's only a 78% yes vote. And that is, uh, it, I, I think that's kind of critical because there was so much contained in the agreement. I mean, it was about compensation increases, streaming bonuses, um, this, the, the disclosure of viewership stats on streaming shows because people were not getting paid uh, correctly for the streaming products that they were doing and uh, limits on artificial intelligence, the minimum number of background actors that can be in a, on a set, and relocation bonuses. So that is a big part of the actor's um, salary and, and what they're making, and we only have a 78% vote but it has been ratified, so I, I, it sounds as though there's a lot of actors who are still not on board, um, but I guess they had to do something to uh, settle the strike and not have it drag out. I'm not sure of all of the background intention, but um, well, it's, it's, uh, it's a little shaky because this is going to be in place for a long time. Right. I mean, it's basically a three-year deal, but I feel like it's more than that because we are – at a bit of a crossroads in the industry, right? With streaming oh, yeah. and the rise of the influence of tech companies, the automation yes. of everything. Um, yes. It's almost like a new start to the business, a new business model, right? Right. And it hasn't been fully fleshed out because the main thing about that artificial intelligence is that they can use your likeness. Like, for instance, they're getting uh, Harrison Ford is doing a new movie and they're going to use his likeness from when he did the first uh, um, uh, movies in the, uh, what was the I can't think of the name of the, the, the films that he did. Uh, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. They're going to use his likeness from when he was in his 30s to now when he's in his 80s. And so what they're going to do is uh, how do they pay him for the movie that he's already shot? Well, they're trying to use, you know, AI. They're going back, getting that uh, footage, and then they're making a new film out of it. But he's not being paid he's not i don't I, it doesn't feel like he's being compensated properly because if they can go back and get an actor's uh past uh acting uh, you know his his acting on a movie and use that again then that person is not being properly paid it's like if you if they're going to use your likeness again to make a new movie then they need to pay you for that so that's what the big struggle is is that they can they can use any actors uh, face or their likeness 
to create something new and not pay them properly for doing that. And so it's it, it's really, really tough. And then you see all of the, the AI stuff where they use someone that is, um, say, an actor, and they use them in a different platform, then the actor doesn't even know about it, so the actor doesn't get paid. Friends of the actors will call them and say, oh, I see that you did this new project. And they say, no, I didn't do the new project. So who put it out there? How did it come about? You know, how does the actor uh, get on top of that? And so how is this settlement going to to stop that from happening? I, I, I don't know. So like I said, it's only 78% ratification, but they're going to agree to do it. So this is going to be an interesting era that we're going into. A lot of unanswered questions, sounds like. Yeah. And I think it's one thing if you're Harrison Ford, who makes millions, but for the yeah. rank-and-file actor, someone right. like me, who doesn't get all these huge jobs, if they right. can do your little small part and then just replicate it for the next film, that's going to be a huge loss. It is going to be a huge loss. When they can take what you did uh, – and, and and show it again and again and again because that's the whole point of being an actor and being in SAG is that you get compensated every single time that you do a performance. I know I'm still getting paid. I was an actor like uh, in the 80s, and I still get <laughs> checks for – I mean, it's like they're little tiny checks, but I still get checks for some of the shows that I appeared on. And so – they're stepping outside of that now and saying, well, we're just going to use AI. We're just going to duplicate whatever you did then and run it again, and you don't get to get paid for it. And that what is the, the problem. What the SAG leadership is telling us is that they at least got permission, like where you have to give permission to use your image and likeness. But my understanding is that a lot of those contracts, once you sign it, they can use it in perpetuity, which means right. we could be out on strike and they could decide to finish a project without you. Without you, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's why they were able to shut it down. Uh, they, they shut Hollywood down because they there was no, uh, you know, artificial intelligence is kind of hanging out there. But now if they shut Hollywood down, it seems as though they can keep going because they can use the actor's likeness uh, on projects and keep going and keep producing and keep making shows and not having the actor actually be there to do it. They just use a prior performance. So how does that work and how do you uh, – that's uh, – that's very significant. So I don't know what's what's going to happen here because this sounds really, really uh, dangerous for the actor. And it means that more than likely the negotiation for the next contract is going to be very contentious, right? Oh, it's got to be, got to be, because now they're going to see the results of this. They're going to find out, and actors are really going to find out how this affects them because it's going to hit their pocketbook, and they're going to see and hear about things that, uh, especially with respect to AI, uh, things that were produced or things that have gone on the air, and they can look up and see themselves and not recognize the project because they weren't there to do it. 
they didn't have to be because they used AI, and that's the problem. It, before you were paid for every time you had to show up to a studio to be on a film, a TV project, a commercial. But when they have AI, when they can use your likeness, you don't have to be there. And and so they're they're saying, well, you weren't there. We we're not going to pay you. So I mean, in fairness to the negotiating committee, I think they worked really really hard. I think they got protections that we didn't have before, but most people are saying it's not enough, including tech scientists that have nothing to do with the acting business. I'm wondering, Venus, if this might be something that eventually we end up taking to the United Nations or the World Court, because to me, we're talking about someone being able to steal your essence as a human being. Mm. Wow. That is deep. That and 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 that's that's part of what the argument should be, because that's what you know. I hadn't heard it put that way, but yeah, that that that's really deep. Uh, that is uh, what the, this is what it, this is where it's going. It's it feels like. Yeah, I want to talk more about the AI concerns. Want to talk about how the business model is changing for actors. The impact on the industry as a whole. I know you have some important insights and yeah. KBLA delegation, I welcome you in 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. I believe we may have to fight differently and it's going to be a situation where the impact of AI on many different industries across the board is going to draw workers who are impacted by this together and we are going to have to deal with it as a human rights issue. Talking with Venus Thomas and you on KBLA Talk 1580. Here's to a holiday season full of peace, peace joy, and, joy happiness. and happiness. Happy Kwanzaa from all of us at KBLA Talk 1580. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. We are talking with Venus Thomas, she's the founder of the Thomas Talent Agency in Los Angeles, many years in the business. And even before the negotiations around artificial intelligence, the business was already changing and moving towards the automated and the tech aspects, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yep, that is, that is so true. So what changes are you seeing or did you see? Well, the, the, the changes uh, that I'm hearing uh, most about is that uh, the, the actors are having to do so much on their own, uh, whereas before, uh, everything, you know, you had an audition, you went into your audition, and you either got the part or you didn't. Now, actors are having to, on their own, tape the audition from home. And yeah, the self tape. That is so unfair. They don't. They don't go to the audition. They just. They have to. They have to put themselves on tape, which means they have to set up a system at home to do that, and in in order to get it, to to book a job. So that's very unfair to the actor. But it seems like self tape is here to stay. If anything, it's affirmed by this current contract, and so I mean. You could make the argument, well, I don't have to drive around and spend gas. But at the same time, it gives an advantage to people that are good at production and maybe takes away the impact of our personal power or charisma 
in meeting that casting director. Exactly. And, and, and so how difficult is it for an actor? Some people in this business are just actors. They don't have the, the production side of it. They don't have that talent. They don't even know how to set these up properly. So I think that the people that know how to or, or get someone to help them set up a studio, you basically have to have a studio in your home now that you can go and record an audition and it's recorded on film or, you know, by on the camera. And so it has to do with a lot of people probably will just record it on their phone. So what is the quality? How, what are you up against before it was at least even? Everybody went to the same audition. They went to the same place. They met the casting director and they had to go through the same paces. Now it's all over the place. If you can record something from home and send it in as your audition piece, then how does that qualify you against all of the other people who may have um, a producer in their family or somebody that will set up a studio for them at home? And how do you, you know, how do you, how do you get over that? How do you win by not knowing what your production looks like, value, what the production value looks like in terms of what you're up against against all the other actors that send in their pieces. I, I, don't, I don't get how that's going to be even. And that doesn't seem to have been addressed in this contract fight. Venus Thomas, um, one of the things we talked about offline is the fact that now there are many, many, many more submissions for every role. Going out on a commercial now, it seems like yeah. They're all cattle calls because everybody can submit because of technology. Yes. And there, there was a time, I can remember, uh, when my daughter was auditioning. She went to an audition, and there were maybe 15 people there for the audition. And then when they got the call back, it was narrowed down to three or four people. Now I understand uh, when you go to your initial audition, there may, may be hundreds of people at the initial audition. How does that work, and how does that cut into your time? You go to an audition, and you're expecting to be, you know, you got to make the drive there, which may be 30 to 45 minutes. Then you have to go in for the audition, but you walk into a room where there's 100 actors. So you're there for another hour, hour and a half. Whereas before, you drove to the audition, you went in when you got there within 10 or 15 minutes, you did your audition, and you were able to go home. Now that's totally blown out of the water. So either you're going to an audition stack with hundreds of people or you're creating an audition from your home yourself. And what is the value of that? And how does that uh, – I, I don't know. The industry is all, all over the place now. So it's, it's – uh, it's, it, to me, it, everything's in limbo, but if they're going to set, you know, they're going to go ahead and ratify the deal, uh, this is going to be interesting what's going to come out of this and what it looks like after this is, after this is said and done. Do you think, I mean, you are a black-owned talent agency, pretty rare in this town. You were able to work with high-level actors, and a lot of that was based on your own personal relationships built up over time with casting directors casting because directors, of the excellence yes. of the talent that you had and your yes. own magnetism as a person. Do you think it disadvantages BIPOC, um, you know, agencies, yeah. other kinds of creators by taking like, like, away that personal touch? How do you even get touch? known now? 
How do you even get yeah. known now? Because yeah. I knew that casting directors called me because they would say to me, you have an eclectic uh, actor, uh, you know, the actors that, because I specifically chose actors from different genres so that I would have a mix of everybody. I had a little bit of, of every, um, all talents. I had, you know, I had black and I had Asians and I had um uh, Latinos. I had a little bit of everything, but they were good. I didn't just have an actor. I had actors that they had to be very talented. I, I put them through the ro- through the ropes to make sure that they were talented. <laughs> you so sure did. When, yeah, so that when they showed up representing me, the casting director felt good about calling in my people because they were not going to be disappointed. They were not going to be. They, they say, well, you know, let's let's call Venus and see who she has. And then uh, there were there were times that four or five people would uh, from my agency, from my tiny little agency, would get hired on one film, and that is a big, you know, that's really really a huge thing in the industry when you have four or five black actors that come from one agency that are hired on a film that is, you know, basically about, you know, is basically a black. At set, that was really huge for me because that was not something that uh, that used to happen uh, in the past. It was like they they would cherry pick, you know, this actor from this place or this actor from that place. But then I created an atmosphere that they can come and say, uh, you know, I need this and this and this. What what do you have? And if I had the person, I would send them. I didn't send in ringers or somebody who didn't have the what they were looking for, you know, because they're they give you what is called a breakdown. We need a person who is thirty to forty, who looks like this, who uh, can do this, or who has dancing skills, or who has this skill, or you know, different things. They could put, give me all of that in a snippet, and I could say yes, I have that person, and send that person over, and know that that person was going to do do good on the you know on the audition. And now all of that's lost. So I don't understand how this is, is uh, it's all about money and getting it done fast now. They're, they're not bothering with going through, um, not, not everything, but a, a lot of the things they're not bothering with going through uh, casting like they used to. And all the good casting directors that I used to know, it's like they don't have that connection, that first uh, name and t- t- connection with the the people that they call. I'm sure that it happens at, at some time, but I know that my daughter's still in the business, and she's saying that she's not getting the kind of calls that she used to get from casting directors who knew her. Yeah. Is there a wormhole here? I'm wondering, is it independent productions? I mean, I guess it's too early to say, but is it getting your work out on YouTube or some other kinds of platforms. It seems like in some ways streaming has opened up more opportunities for people of color, for producers and writers uh, from various yeah. backgrounds because there's more platforms. But but the uh, the thing that I say about that, yeah, it has opened it up, but a lot of those actors aren't SAG. And I had a big thing with Ooh. people being in SAG. And now you got all of these, the you know, the YouTubers and the TikTokers, and they're making big money, but they're not in the union. They are doing this on their own, and because they got noticed by a large number of people who don't know the difference and who really don't care. They don't care if this is an actor that is 
you know, is franchised and, and, you know, is, is in SAG. They don't care. They just enjoy whatever that person is saying or doing or the content. And so it kind of like the actors are, they're having to compete with non-actors and, that never happened before, you know, either you other were, than the rappers. I remember the, the, right. the invasion of the rappers. Right, right. But you didn't have to worry about having to compete with a person who was what we call non-union, you know, and now people are able to put out their own platform. And because they have a following, these uh, young people, uh, and, and I find that it's mostly one young people that follow these uh, these people that are coming out out of the woodwork and, and producing or putting together their, their projects and they're being seen. So I, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's a very different time. I thought it was interesting that a lot of the YouTubers and TikTokers did not cross the SAG after picket line because they still aspire to become part of that union, even though they might not be in it yet. I don't know right. how that plays out in the future as they get more and more powerful. But this time around, they did stand in solidarity, which I think was pretty remarkable. It was. It, it, it really was. I, you know what? I think these people know the value of being a SAG actor, of being really in the business. They do respect that, but that because they can, they're doing, they're doing, you know, they're putting out their, their projects and, and doing the different kind of things because they can do it. And not because uh, they, you know, it's like they don't have to, well, I don't have to jump through the hoops. I don't have to pay uh, what it costs to get in the union. I don't have to do all of that stuff. I can just go ahead and put this up there on, on, on TikTok or, you know, on YouTube or whatever, and my viewers will, uh, you know, give it likes, and, and then they go, they go straight to the top because that is, uh, and, and so actors ha are having to compete with that kind of thing, and that has got to be very, very difficult for someone who has studied, and, and most of these people who are on YouTube or who are on TikTok, they don't go study acting. They don't do uh, a lot of that. They just have a gift of doing something that will bring a lot of people uh, to liking them. Or, you know, and a lot of times they're emulating others. You know, they're emulating someone else's dance or somebody else's performance. And for whatever reason, because they have followers, they will get, they will rise up as high as the person who originally did the, the dance or the, you know what I'm saying, who really, really mm -hmm. brought an idea to the public. It's like there have been a lot of dance sequences that TikTokers turn around and do, and then they get more likes than the person who actually did it on the show. So uh, that raises them above, and I don't know how that they're paid on those uh, platforms. Well, they get paid by the platforms. But the irony of that is that they are yes. also at the whim of the tech companies. Because if TikTok right. shuts you down or YouTube shuts you down, there goes all your followers, there goes all your money, and you don't even have a union to back you up. So it all comes back to the tech barons, in a sense. We're talking to yeah. Venus Thomas, owner of the Thomas Talent Agency. I want to look at the future of the business and the difference between a tech company and in traditional studio when it comes to the art side of the business, KBLA Talk 1580. 
More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. Way the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And you knew where you were then. Guys were girls and men were men. Mister, we could use a man like Hyman's Hoover again. Didn't need no welfare states. Everybody pulled his weight. Gee, our old LaSalle ran great. Those were the days. KBLA Talk 1580. Rest in peace to Norman Lear. Uh, weird description of him in our black information network malibu malibu mafia not a real thing it's a concept or sort of something people inferred so i don't know anyway i wanted to say that because i was listening to our news report and i was like "Mm, okay um venus thomas before we get back into the contract and such Let's talk a little bit about Norman Lear, who made his transition on yesterday, back in a time when diversity on TV, politics and entertainment was much less prevalent in the mainstream. What are your thoughts about and memories about Norman Lear? Well, now, Norman Lear in the 70s, he bought us Good Times, The Jeffersons, Sanford and Sons. He bought the shows that black people could be on and have a, quote, show about black people that was not, it was unheard of. There was nothing like what he did. And he created these shows, and then everybody start to, started to see the viewership went through the roof. And those were, I mean, it, we, they were untapped. We, they had never tapped into the medium that would allow black performers to perform and to get paid in the way that they did and to have the viewership go through the roof because these were all top-rated shows. And he, this was in the 70s when, you know, uh, black people were not even appearing, you know, maybe a, a, a role every now and then on, on one of the shows. And even, you know, like All in the Family, look at the topics that that, that show covered uh, that, that was it was so well done and so well rounded and so you know you could look at uh, the things that Archie Bunker was saying and you knew that there were people out there that felt that way so it was enjoyable to be able to laugh about that kind of of thing i don't think you could do that show today it it you know there's you know it's a whole different atmosphere out there but the shows that he created were gold and of course, back then you didn't see those conversations about LGBTQ plus folks or the no. so-called hood or the Never. challenges of black people. Even poor people on TV were very rare back then. And so I don't know if folks realize in today's environment how groundbreaking Norman Lear really was. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, he, he, he blew it out of the water and he changed, well, he changed uh, TV. He changed TV for, uh, for the viewership uh, because not only were black people watching these shows, but white people 
uh, all you know, all races were were drawn to the the ability of uh, the lives, or you know, what they could see as as wow, we didn't know this about black people. Everybody had this vision of whatever or whoever we were from the news. That was all that they could see, and so you had these well-rounded people who were in marriages, who had families, who who were never introduced to the wider audience, so people were really bought in, and I think that they really, really enjoyed knowing about the black community in a different kind of way. And and I think it was a very, very positive thing because it was funny. You were able to laugh at it, but it was also something that uh, we uh, could identif- identify with, and it also opened it up for other people to uh take a peek into the, some of the lives of, of, oh, so that's not the only thing that, that black people do. They don't only sh- get arrested on TV. They, they have lives. They have, you know, it was, it was a whole different thing for a lot of people who knew nothing about our lives. And I think it was uh, groundbreaking. Yeah, I think that Norman Lear, um, the reason I pushed back on that headline about a Malibu mafia is that he was not afraid to put his progressive politics in the shows and to donate to causes behind the scenes, off the air, right. in real life. So I think this idea of demonizing him as some kind of Jewish Malibu mafia is really a way of trying to separate black people from a progressive Jewish creator who was important to many communities in and outside of Hollywood. And he was he was liberal, and so right. everything that he did, he was not afraid to be labeled liberal. He uh, he was upfront about it, and a lot of people had to keep their beliefs under wraps. You didn't know what many producers were about. You just saw their shows, but you didn't know he was upfront about the fact that he was very very liberal, and he was letting it be known. Uh, and and he didn't back down from it, and so I think this is where these titles come from, where they are attacking him for being this or being that. And I think he was just a producer that had a vision, and that he grew up in an, an era where he knew that everything that was being portrayed was not true, and he wanted to put it out there how um, things really, uh, uh, how things really were. And it was embraced. It was totally embraced by the the people that the viewership, everybody looked at that and said, wow, you know, he's hit on something. So that was very important. At 97, he became the oldest person ever to win an Emmy as executive producer of Live in front of a studio audience, Norman Lear's All in the Family and the Jeffersons, which was an ABC special. And, of right. course, he made his transition at the age of 101, and one. a life well lived. Yes, very, very well lived. And, and I think uh, later on in life, I think people really were able to appreciate and embrace uh, everything that he did do. And he, well, he changed television forever. He changed it, you know, and he opened the door for shows like, you know, that later came the Cosby Show, all those shows that came and they blew up. Uh, because of he was the one in the 70s that did the groundwork that opened the door for any of these shows to uh, be created. 
And I'm amazed that he was able to do what he was able to do, you know, looking at the Hollywood machine. <laughs> it's like it's, yeah. it's amazing that he got that shot that to, to be able to bring show after show after show on the air. And uh, they all became hits. People for the American Way was a nonprofit that he founded that was meant to protect the Bill of Rights and constitutional freedoms. So that's what I'm referring to when I say he used his clout on and off the air for his liberal and progressive causes. And he took some hits for that. He was definitely demonized by the right. And again, that's why I was pushing back on that little barb inside of our news report from the Black Information Network. Venus Thomas uh, is my guest. She's the founder of the Thomas Talent Agency, I do want to circle back to this SAG contract, what we've been talking about, AI, the impact of tech, and the future of the business. That's next on KBLA Talk 1580. He's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Broadcasting live from Lower Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio, KBLA Talk 1580. Talking with Venus Thomas of the Thomas Talent Agency. She's worked as an actor and an agent for many years in this business. You've negotiated contracts with many of the sticking points that we had in the SAG-AFTRA contract. And we did get some big wins. I mean, some pretty serious raises for actors and some protections for background actors or extras. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we did. We definitely got some, some, some big wins. Uh, it's the things that are uh, new that are big sticking uh, points. I think the AI is probably uh, the biggest issue that is, is we're going to have to figure out what's, what happens from this agreement to the next time this comes up as an issue, how actors are, because we won't know until the actors are out there and they're, they're being portrayed or being used in this, this format and how it affects them and how it affects their salaries and what it does to them to, as a business and whether or not they feel comfortable with it. So this is all, this is trial. This is all a big trial to see what, how this because 78 only 78 percent of the actors agreed so it's not like a hundred percent which in past uh strikes uh, a lot more uh actors were on board with saying okay we agree with this you know to but we didn't have the kind of issues that are on the table now so that's why more yeah. actors were able to agree because i mean 96 96 percent of us voted to go on strike and only right. 78% had to come off. So that's telling right there. Yeah. Right. And so that, that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I wonder what's going to happen down the line because of that. Uh, how that was, how was that considered? Okay, this is the, the place 78% actors are voting. And so, yes, and there's so many people, they, they, they're fighting real strong, the actors who are against, who were against the, the settlement, 
they're they're very upset. So uh, I, I, you know, but the settlement will be the settlement. If they once they ratify this agreement, it covers all the actors. So it doesn't matter what whether or not the whole 100% of actors agreed with it. This is what everybody is going to be up under under you know that are in SAG, and so it'll. Uh, it, 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 we'll see how that shakes out because it's going to be interesting the, these next three years, what comes out of that. How is it different being in business as an actor, director, writer, as a creative with a tech company like a Netflix or a Prime video as opposed to a traditional studio like Sony or Paramount? Yeah, that the things have changed now because my uh, what I'm seeing is that the top Tech companies now are Comcast, Disney, Netflix, and Warner Brothers. And these are the companies that run the industry. They're the ones who are making all of the money off of all of the, you know, all of, all of this, the stuff that's being produced and, and put out there. Whereas before, it was solely the studios. You had, you know, Warner Brothers. Uh, brothers and and 21st century or, or 20 it used to be 20th century fox uh paramount pictures the it was all about the studio system it was even called the studio system and now you got the tech companies who i mean and netflix it just shot to the top you know netflix has taken off and so it's one of the the companies now that is ruling um the industry and they are not connected in the way that the studios were, because the studios were embedded in making the 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 film and making the 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 you know the TV show or whatever had to be made, and they were more immersed in the actor and what the actor was doing. And now these Comcast and 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 and, and uh, Netflix, how I don't know. They're just making money. <laughs> So I don't know how that works, but the tech companies have now taken over where the studio system used to rule. It's interesting, though, that some of these studios, these tech companies really, have made some amazing content. I mean, Ozark yeah. and the Peaky Blinders and all these, you know, Secession is really... Oh, they are. I exactly. mean, insecure. Well, that's HBO, so I don't know if that counts. But really, some high quality content with great acting, directing, writing coming out of tech companies. But I think the business model is different. It is. It's a whole different business model, and it's. Uh, I don't know. It has got to be a bit confusing for the actors. But I don't know. I think the actors probably go are drawn to the job and they don't so much consider uh, whether or not it's a studio or a tech company. And so it's, uh, you got, so you got two different things going on now that used to not be uh, not an issue. And so how do you, you know, as an actor, you want to go where the work is. You want to go where you can put on a good performance and where you find a project that you want to work on. And so you're not weighing whether, whether or not it's a, a tech company or, uh, because like you say, the tech companies are coming up with some good product. Yeah. So. It's weird too, because to your point about the 78%, people suffer under a strike and it's not just actors. It's all the adjacent mm -hmm. businesses. So, I mean, the upside of ratifying this deal is we get to go back to work, but right. it also shows you how serious the concerns are that 
Only 78% voted yes when we're under pressure to get back to work. Right, right. Because, uh, yeah, that, that, that is, uh, that's the sticking point, I think. The fact that 78% voted and people really want to get back to work because you got, you got craft services, you got costuming, you got all of the different people that work on the sets that, uh, you know, you got all of the, the people that work behind the scenes on the, the movie set, uh, the, ca- the camera people, the grips, the, the, you know, all of the people that do, everybody is, is laid off. So those people are not, none of those people are working. So I think that a lot of people say, well, you know, let's get back to work. We need to really get back to work. And then the other people that are holding out are saying, no, it's not fair yet. And people, I hear that people have lost their homes because they have been on strike yes. too long. I mean, and you know, you people, everybody pretty much lives, uh, people in the entertainment industry, unless you're on the wealthy end, you, you still live in paycheck to paycheck. So if you don't get a check for two or three months, then you're you're in trouble. You're in deep trouble. So a lot of people were clamoring to get back to work, but then there are those who are holding out saying, no, it's not good enough. It's still not good enough. We need to have a better agreement. And so we're going to find out these next three years how good this agreement turned out to be. And I'm sure there's still going to be a lot of fighting, infighting, uh, with, with respect to who was right and who and why did we move forward to go back why did the actors move forward to go back to work is that was that a really a good thing to do or not so it's, it we're going to find out i think i mean actor justine bateman's been very very vocal against mm-hmm. the approval of this contract and she yes. made an interesting point which is that if the studio does a scene with an ai instead of a real person that also robs jobs from below the line. You don't need yeah. a gaffer. You don't need craft services. All those folks you just mentioned are they not needed if you're working with an AI. Right. Right. And, and <laughs> that is crazy because the whole industry is built upon all of those people being employed. So that is uh I, I i think there probably could have been more, much more focus on the ai part of it because a lot of these other things uh well the streaming uh was was a big big issue too because actors don't get paid on the streaming platforms like they get paid like every time you're you appear on a tv show and that tv show is run over and over and over every time that tv show runs or every time a movie is shown in the regular medium then the actor is paid on streaming services it's different so they didn't uh, you know they did they fought about it but they don't get the same pay on streaming services actors don't get paid the way that they get paid for network tv or for you know regular tv shows that are on or you know or, or even cable tv shows cable and network TVs get paid under SAG. Streaming, bon- st- streaming services, they had their own setup, and they were not paying actors fairly. And so they had to come up with something. There was a big negotiation about why aren't uh, actors getting paid on all of these different platforms that you have. You know, you got Netflix and Hulu and, uh, oh, God, just 
hundreds of platforms now, and the yeah. actors don't get the money that they get paid. And so why is that different? And so the companies yeah, well, we made are, some are progress. Money. At least, at least we'll get the data, and at least we have a fund. But we did not win that two percent that they were asking for of the streaming right. revenues. Venus Thomas, thank you so much for being with us today. The good news, we get to go back to work and hopefully we will not give up. We will continue to fight for all that we deserve in the years ahead. Once again, Venus, thank you so much. You are so welcome. My quote for the day, I'm going to Norman Lear. May he rest in peace. He says, my shows were not controversial with the American people. They were controversial with the people who think for the American people. Let that sink in. By the way, if you want to find Venus Thomas, she is on Facebook. And you can find us there too, KBLA 1580, on all the social media platforms. I am at Deprima Radio, D-I-P-R-I-M-A, and then radio. Tavis Smiley's got a fully loaded show for you today, so keep it locked for that. History is now, and we are making it together. This mic is a privilege, and I thank you for letting me hold it. Until tomorrow, one love.